1: packages by expedia you were made to be rechargeable we were made to package flights hotels and hammocks for less expedia made to travel hello everybody it is your prince of the cosmos wizard holden McNeely,
0: and it is i your weird bathing sumo wrestler who is then flailing on the surface of this (laughs) mysterious ball what's happening to me
1: (laughs) and today our episode is on katamari damacy which is so i'm so excited to do this episode this actually is like a long time ago we've got this for a patreon uh Uh, donation and uh, so I want to give a big big shout out to the most patient dudes ever Double Dugs over at Twitch twitch.tv forward slash Double Dugs Double Dugs are a pair of kick-ass dudes who were discovered through a backdoor in cyberspace by a group of scientists, <laughs> engineers, and programmers affectionately referred to as the Dream Team and brought to our dimension to play video games on Twitch. However, to do due to budget constraints, the powers that be only authorized the Dream Team to render their heads. Also, they fucking love pizza, so I can uh, confirm this, by the way. They are like these <laughs> dudes with hilarious, uh, hilarious look. Um, and they're just floating heads and they play a lot of overwatch and check out double ducks it, sounds it's, it's, great i pulled up some clips I'm down. and i'm definitely following them now and they are they look like a fucking blast so definitely check them out all right and now on to the show jake
0: katamari Damacy. Na 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 na
1: You see katamari translates to clump or clod and damashi is the rindaku form of tamashi meaning soul or spirit. So it means clump soul. Take a journey with us through <laughs> the clump soul bright beautiful world of Keita Takahashi and and um his his roller coaster ride. Through Namco with this game, the game that never should have been existed. It's such a difficult, it's such a difficult thing to get a game like this made in a giant studio. And I love that it exists. And of course, there's a story behind how it exists. Um, well, it, yeah. And I mean,
0: uh, set your mind back to 2004.
1: Yeah, 2004. The PlayStation 2 is about to be all the rage. And this is
0: looking back at this. It's kind of. This weird mix of, like, bland and groundbreaking that I I don't know, I guess it's every year, but, you know, this is the year Grand Theft Auto San Andreas came out, and that's a blast, but that was, like, literally the third Grand Theft Auto game built on the same engine. Halo 2, we got Half-Life 2, we got... Like uh, the another Prince of Persia sequel. Mm-hmm. And we got a uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 and we got a Metroid sequel. We got sequels. It's a lot and, of sequels. And
1: AAA games are like have never been bigger. And they're, you know, they're really they've really honed in their um their process, their workflow, their pipeline at a mm-hmm. big company like that. And they're making these big, big hit, kind of almost feature film style videos. Literally,
0: I mean, this is true of all games across how that's how technology works, the biggest games they've ever made. These grand, bordering HD, uh, high tech miracles. Mm. And, uh, you know, along comes this weird little thing uh, by a weird little guy (laughs) that kind of just shatters that and kind of gives every weird kid, every auteur, every artist, every like. Beatnik and hippie and everything in between, just a ray of hope. Just this yeah. glimmer of like what can happen when you stick to a purity of vision and a purity of form. And it's a fun ass game. I never played and it on is, PS2.
1: And you have to remember too, folks, this is before like the advent of the indie game, really. Like like indie games mm-hmm. are about to be a big deal in a few more years, but really this is like the only way you can get a game like this made, you know, is through it would only be really through a big company. Like, you could
0: call this the Velvet Underground
1: of <laughs> Twee games. Of, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would totally go there with you on that. I would totally go there with you on that. Not I mean, everybody
0: played this cute indie game but everybody who did ended up making their own cute indie. Game.
1: Yes, right? And and realizing like, "Oh, game games as an experience doesn't have to be defined by any one way." At the time, the current market it was all fighting games and shooters and, you know, military ops and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. But um you know, th- this was so fascinating. And by the way, can we maybe we should Take a step back for a second, because we're assuming people just know what Katamari Damacy is. Can you give a brief description of what the game is?
0: Okay. uh, Katamari Damacy is a game in which you play as the Prince of Space, a tiny alien-looking guy with- Prince
1: of the Cosmos, yes.
0: Oh, yeah. Prince of the Cosmos. Uh, Alien-looking guy with a weird kind of dowel-shaped head, and you are rolling a mysterious object known as a Katamari. And uh, everything that the Katamari rolls over, it sticks to as long as it's smaller than the Katamari.
1: And everything it's rolling over are, like, day-to-day, normal, everyday objects, like... Um a Pushpins, sp- a spool mahjong of tape, tiles. mahjong tiles, uh and mostly, Dice, you know, Japanese centric uh household items, but still, uh like, you know, and then later, um, as the ball gets bigger, the ball rolls up only things smaller than the ball. But once the ball starts gaining larger and larger size because of the things you're rolling up, you can roll up bigger things like sheep or gates or police officers, and you get so big that you're rolling up buildings and you're rolling up giant squids <laughs> and you're rolling up like just all sorts of continents continents by the end of it and the whole universe itself. And it is, it is this just wholly unique, fun, light, bright experience. Right now I'm playing like a few different games and Katamari is one of them, right? I'm, you know, as always, I'm playing street fighter. If I want to get wound up and pissed off, (laughs) I'm playing dragon quest for my big, like story game, dragon quest 11. I'm loving it and getting really into it. Um, as well as, you know, tactical JRPG style stuff. And um, I'm also playing Katam- Katamari as that game that I just want to put on at the end of the night to just feel total bliss and mm-hmm. inner peace before I go to bed. It is just that game. It is so good. And it Katamari Damacy Reroll uh, just came out for the Switch and PC. And by the way, for me, and this is where my gush is going to come in. You ready for my big old gusher, Jake?
0: I'd, can we start, like much like the Katamari, can we start smaller? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you ready for my big gush-gush, Jake? Uh, yes. Because I've been lotioning it uh, for the past hour, and I need you to see my big gush-gush right now.
0: And, you know, guys always talk about the size of their gush-gush, but then when push comes to shove, it's just like a little,
1: just like... It's like. Eh. It's a grower, not a shower, Jake. Just like a Katamari ball, okay? Um, I always wanted to play this game, and I never had the access to it. Um, I missed it on the PS2. Uh, I didn't really have a PS3, and so by the time... I got around to really wanting to play it. I just didn't have access to, like, a good version of the original. And I didn't want to play, like, the sequels. I really wanted to play, like, the pure original. Um, So when Reroll came out, I was so excited. I remember the first time I heard about it, it was a couple. The guy was a big gamer, the lady not so much. And, you know, it was that perfect game that she just fell in love with because of its quirkiness, its strangeness, its, its just purity, and its beautiful, just warm feelings that come from playing that game. Um, She just got really into it. So their nightly activity for a while was playing Katamari and, and just the excitement they had in explaining to me what this game was. And I was like, man, I was out of gaming at that time. And I was like, that sounds really cool like that sounds like nothing I've ever heard of it sounds awesome and um, it was a game that kept always kind of coming back into the periphery maybe I'd be like listening to an episode of Giant Bomb or something and, and I'd hear them talk about uh, bring it back up and refer to it or it would come up in maybe some documentary or something about indie games or whatever you know what I mean or, or games as art you know it always come up in that conversation right um, and so it was always that thing I just wanted to always wanted to play and then boom this December, uh, December 2018 depending on when you were listening to this this past december it dropped on switch which is perfect and on pc this like hd remaster whatever and i just it was everything and what i love about it is a game that came out in what 2004 right 2004 and it is holds up like a motherfucker and it doesn't seem like they did a whole lot to the game that
0: was my experience as well i also picked up reroll uh i was playing on the switch and That there's something so fucking satisfying about picking up something that has been hyped for years and years and years and finding out it really is that
1: good. It's just that good because unlike, let's say, maybe a Metal Gear or um, something of that nature, like a uh, a Mortal
0: Kombat Armageddon.
1: Yeah, something of that nature where, you know, it was a big deal and it had a big effect on gaming. Um, As a whole, but you go back to it and there's just mechanic layered on mechanic, layered on mechanic, and it's going for so much that it never, that will never hold up as well. Mm -hmm. But then you, you know, it's just, again, it is the pure simplicity of the gaming experience that just makes it so great and the unique playful voice. And I think that people have emulated that kind of off the wall goofy style like maybe in um octopus dad maybe or something like that you o- know yeah I-
0: yeah octo dad octo
1: dad uh, ra- rather sorry um games like that that have like this really off kilter feel you know this kind of just odd comedy that like there's nothing jumping out at you as hilarious per se but everything about it's just sort of odd and I funny mean, and great the,
0: the comedy of uh, kind of trying to navigate this unwieldy object the comedy of yeah. watching Physics collide with physics in ways you didn't expect it to.
1: Constantly just being like, wait, can I pick that up? I can pick that up! Oh, my oh, God! No,
0: the, be- the best feeling in Katamari Damacy <laughs> is uh, when you're like rolling around and the, the stages have kind of a linearity to them where uh-huh. you're kind of rolling, trying to pick up small objects and gain mass and gain mass. And then you kind of hit a dead end. And you're like, fuck, fuck, because the, there's the timer. The timer is brutal.
1: The timer is brutal. And I will say, and what happens I talk is, about how fun it is and stuff. It, there, it is challenging as well.
0: What happens is you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. There's nothing like quite the size you need it to be. Everything's too big. There's nothing left. And then you remember, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And you roll back to the beginning of the stage, and all the shit that was too big for you. Yes. er, Like five minutes ago. It's like, ah, I just, yeah, yeah. Like you started on a desktop, and now you can absorb the desk. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So fucking satisfying. So fucking
1: satisfying. Especially when it's a building. (laughs) And, and. And the other one is when you're like, "Fuck, fuck, where do I go next? Where do I go next?" And then that like little path opens to you, or you just like accidentally happen upon like a whole new area, and you fl- roll flying through it, and you're just like, "Yeah!" And you just like grab all this stuff all around you. Or, God, it's fun. Or just all <laughs> it's these so weird fun. little
0: moments where. You're like, you're rolling through. You're, cause you're constantly, you constantly have to be searching and, and making sure the ball doesn't get out of control.
1: Right. You're trying to keep the ball kind of even, too. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make sure you're not collecting too much stuff on like one side of the ball.
0: And uh, just within like a microsecond, you register that, oh, there's a line of golf balls and one of the golf balls is a chicken egg. <laughs> and like you reg- you see it, you register the humor that like was deliberately placed there, <laughs> you absorb it, and then you just keep rolling. Yeah. And that happens like,
1: Ten times a second. It's so... God. It's so good. And uh not to mention that but then everything around the game like those weird cutscenes with the family whose dad's <laughs> trying to an astronaut trying to like fly to the moon and it's like so bizarre this weird side story just the animation of the King of the Cosmos the way he just like holds you in his giant hand at the very end <laughs> of every level and he's like just always looks so ridiculous the King of the Co- King of the Cosmos the design of all the characters and everything is just so funny and great and um you know the whole basis too by the way is that king of the cosmos got too drunk and accidentally got rid of like all the stars in the sky (laughs) in a drunken fucking just just (laughs) spree i was
0: naughty naughty (laughs) oh the whole like this was before like camp before like rupaul's drag race like the king of the cosmos was this flamboyantly hilarious Macho man like character like yeah. nobody yeah I was like a I was a dumb weeb and I still didn't recognize the mountain of Japanese cultural references you yeah. need
1: to make sense of that character right right and like it's just nothing else was like it yeah and, you know, and and man we and this entire time we have not even you know you sang a little bit of it at the beginning but we have not mentioned how fucking awesome the soundtrack is these like i threw it on yesterday while oh, doing research so and i was just like dude i'm gonna just rock this all the a time this soundtrack wonder, 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 is amazing wonder, 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 and we will wonder, wonder, definitely wonder, get into the dirty wonder, details wonder, of wonder, all, wonder, all wonder. of that as we talk about the whole history of this game i do want to start off
0: i know you love me i want to roll you up in my life <laughs> let's roll up to me, a single star in the sky Um,
1: I, I do want to I'll keep it as brief as I can but I do want to start with a, a history of Namco oh, that, dude. that leads us up to sort of I
0: swear to God we can't do Galaga <laughs>
1: We can't get into Galaga. No, no, we'll just brief. I just want to go over some bullet points. I'll try to make a brief. I'll try to skip some stuff Mm -hmm. that's unnecessary because we have a ton to talk about today on this episode of Katamari Damacy. Okay, Namco. Let's start there, though, because this is all really um, uh, Takahashi's work through Namco. So here we go. Namco was originally founded by Masaya Nakamura under the company name Nakamura Saisak. Kushoko limited in 1955 based in Tokyo. And they initially ran children's rides on the roof of a department store South of Tokyo in Yokohama. That's originally what they did. And that business expanded. They were just doing children's rides all throughout the city. I love how so many video game companies in Japan started off making like physical machines they that well, gave people entertainment and then like that became, you know, home console video games.
0: We covered it in um in the, the Mortal Kombat episode. They mm-hmm. Midway. It's our arcade yeah. machine. Sega started making jukeboxes. That's yeah. the the line between
1: like And vending machines. S- yeah. Too. Shit
0: you put coins into yes. and arcade cabinets to video games is like a
1: very straight line. Yes, exactly. And so um Uh, They changed the name in 1959 to Nakamura Manufacturing Co. Limited, which in 1971 uh, was shortened to the acronym NAMCO, Nakamura Manufacturing Co., NAMCO. Um, and uh, that was the, f- they officially changed their name to the acronym in 1977. It was in 1970 that Namco entered the gaming biz with a coin operated mechanical driving simulator called Racer, which is kind of interesting because they would later become known for Ridge Racer and all <laughs> those. They kind of took that initial prototype and just spun off into so many different things. Um, and then this is when they get into bed with Atari Japan. Atari Japan was a Tokyo-based subsidiary, which was having difficulties in 1974. So, Hide Nakajima, the guy in charge, he was having a real issue with uh, Atari Japan. Apparently, it was as fucking rock and roll as it was in the U.S., to the point where he claimed employees were stealing money, and they had to put up his own personal finances to keep it afloat. So, Nolan Bushnell, avidly tries to sell the subsidiary Noam bush now the you know, creator of atari he tried to sell the subsidiary as he was struggling in the u.s nakamura puts up a bid for eight hundred thousand dollars which became finalized at five hundred thousand dollars to acquire the company so now namco gets atari japan um, it takes him two years to pay off the debt of all atari japan uh that atari japan was holding uh, but it gave him licenses to, to, to distribute games in japan for 10 years and that is how they end up in the video game arcade biz so uh and 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 by the way like uh everyone thought he was insane for doing this for acquiring a, a atari japan he was a true visionary they thought he was fucking nuts to pay five hundred thousand dollars. you you'll never be company. the
0: company responsible for pac-man whatever the hell that is <laughs> they'd yell at him exactly <laughs> they
1: end up opening namco america in the u.s in 1978 as a way to distribute atari and midway games in the u.s and their first original game was GB in 1978, but they struck gold with, as you said, Pac-Man in 1980 and then Galaga in 1981, followed by Dig Dug and the racing game Pole Position in 1982. Pole Position was the one of the first early big racing arcade games um so they're just like blowing up at this point but then of course the video game crash happens and there's a big rift between nakajima and nakamura during this time like the atari japan guy and the namco guy and that ends up with nakajima resigning to head up atari games they end up surviving the crash get a lot of success making games for nintendo and then later sega's mega drive and genesis in the late 80s um as i mentioned ridge racer was huge um now we're getting to the point where Takahashi's about to entered the ring we've got ridge racer we've got tekken is massive and then the soul edge series which would lead up to soul caliber that this is the current climate at namco right big fighting games big racing games 3d that's where we're at
0: it's it's actually a little bit interesting because uh the around this kind of 90s to early 2000s period the japanese gaming market was actually pretty unstable besides a few temple franchises um Namco was shutting down a bunch of the arcades that they had owned. Uh, like, you know, yes, like there were a few core fighting games, but like other fighting games just fell flat on their asses. Uh, the 3D hardware was expensive to produce. So, like, you know, if you put all your money into making a new arcade game on expensive 3D hardware and it was a dud, it was just money down the toilet. And uh, what happened was this is in Japanese arcades. Basically, Konami broke through with Dance Dance Revolution and other companies started doing like those photo club sticker booths. If you remember, if you're like uh-huh. a real dumb nerd, like you remember those like yeah. digital photo booths like, where you could add all the stickers and beauty effects. Yeah. And like uh, this, this kind of new wave of like fun amusements. This was kind of like the like um, kind of the death of the arcade machine. Mm-hmm. Is where like people had their home consoles. Yeah. And you didn't really need to go to the arcade to play video games. So arcades became more amusement centers. Yes. Um. The one thing that Konami did is they actually created a... uh, Konami or Namco? No, this is what Konami did. Oh, yeah, yeah. They started the Konami Computer Entertainment School.
1: Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up, Jake. Which uh,
0: was this revolutionary kind of talent-fostering subsidiary of Konami that ended up creating uh, Beatmania and Dance Dance Revolution and Guitar Freaks and all these like kind of prop, kind of new-style arcade games. Noticing that success... Uh, Namco followed up with their own subsidiary to try and, like, build up their own talent pools and invest in, like, kind of newer ideas. And in that situation, in this kind of weird, tumultuous, shifting landscape for Japanese games, uh, which even in the console markets, you know, they were getting walloped by Western developers at this point. There was, like, a—it's it's kind of weird now that you think about, like, how— There's games like Nier Automata and uh, Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy XV and Mm -hmm. the New Kingdom Hearts. There was a hot second where people were like, oh, I think Japanese video games are fucked in the 2000s.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Holden here. Starting a healthy routine and sticking to it are two very different things. Inevitably, we all skimp on that full night of sleep, skip a workout or two or three or four or five, or brush our teeth with a tired old toothbrush. Hey, we're not perfect, but we can do better. And Quip is a better electric toothbrush that can help. The reason why I like using a Quip toothbrush is that it is on a timer for two minutes and lets you know every 30 seconds to switch sides. Before I used Quip, Lex would constantly tell me that I was not brushing long enough, which was completely true. I'm super impatient, so having that timer is incredibly useful to me. And apparently, 90% of folks are just like me in that regard and don't brush long enough. The other amazing thing is that they mail you a new brush head every three months, which is a dentist recommended schedule, by the way, for just five bucks. Again, I always wait too long to replace a toothbrush myself and 75% of you have that same issue and those old brushes just aren't effective after a while. So I love Quip, not only for the reasons listed above, but also because of the simplicity of its design and for how light and easily transportable it is. Over 1 million happy, healthy mouths feel the same way I do. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com forward slash wizard right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash wizard. Get yours today.
0: That is when a young man named Keita Takahashi decides to enter the video game business.
1: Keita Takahashi, born in Fuku- Fukuoka, Japan in 1975. He loved Famicom titles at a young age. He ends up studying at Musashino Art University from 1996 to 1999 with a focus on fine art and sculpting. And at oh, wait. This, wait point-
0: this is this is a I, uh, credit where credit's due. I am actually uh, did a lot of my research through the... Kanamari Damasi yes. entry in the Boss Fight book series. Yeah. Uh, think of it as like those 33 and a third books, but instead of music,
1: it's video games. Are they like, then are they like short reads? They're,
0: they're, yeah, they're brisk reads. Yeah. So uh, as a kid, Keita liked drawing, but he decided he wanted to be an architect because he thought that was a stable job.
1: And he thought maybe it would be fun to build tiny miniature models of the caves <laughs> no, that were fucker. behind his house. You son of a bitch. <laughs>
0: I, this is the worst running gag, and I'm just feeding into it, but I, can, I have to communicate how angry it makes me. <laughs> he's got the caves, bro. It's Yo, do topic. you
1: got caves, bro? All right, so
0: anyways. Uh, so he was on his way to be a designer of family homes because he thought that was stability.
1: Uh, and by the way, like, Boy did not have a console or a PC, like, <laughs> at all, like, at this point. He is he, just so far from... The, the, the register at this point, the, the video game thing. Um, so yeah. The, he
0: immediately quit his uh, dreams of becoming an architecture. Okay, hold on, wait. I have the quote from an interview with him. I thought being an architect must be a stable job because it's one of the necessities of modern life. But I gave up before trying it out because the exam for the architecture course required mathematics. Art major it is. Yeah. The story of every art major. (laughs) (laughs) I want to change the world and build things to help people. Oh, fuck, that sounds hard. I'll just make cool shit over here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the Musashino Art University. It is a private university in Western Tokyo founded in 1962. It was originally called Teikoku Art School, going all the way back to 1929, and is known as one of the leading art universities in Japan, and while here... Um, it's the
0: same alma mater as uh, my one of my favorite anime directors, Satoshi Kon. Oh, awesome. And the uh, creator of Hello Kitty, Yuko Shimizu. Ah. Uh, um,
1: so while at this school, he formulates his philosophy and approach to art, which would drive all the way through uh, the games he made. He, it needs to combine practical elements along with a bit of whimsy and humor. That was his kind of immediate... I, that's what I want to do sort of create, create something joyful, something simple, something practical. So while here um, uh, also he realizes that um, he might not want to be a sculptor at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> it's uh he ends up creating a few, there's a few pieces that uh, have made their way online that you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is this uh, kind of rough looking hippopotamus sculpture that doubles as a Tissue box cover, which is a thing Japanese households have. Mm. Uh and rich rich Americans.
1: Yeah, I know tissue box covers. That's not it's me, an, man. I raw boxing
0: it every day. I'm
1: raw boxing all day. Yeah, I spent
0: money for that good lotion Kleenex and you're gonna notice. I
1: even take it out of the box and just leave it in a fucking filthy stack <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> I don't even like having a box. Not much. You know what? A box I don't like the. Co-
0: I don't like being confined to a box. So I just leave loose tissues throughout, <laughs> throughout my, apartment, my apartment. And if you need to fucking blow your nose, bro, just reach out and grab it. Yeah, one.
1: and check it for sure to make sure it's not used, because I will just leave it where I find it, bro. Because I don't give a fuck. My name's Holden. Don't give a fuck. It,
0: okay. If it's flat, blow. Uh, your nose is where it's at. If it's crumpled, just let it dumple. <laughs> That's your guide to That's how to
1: Hanging out at my apartment. Um, uh, so anyways. So- oh, no, no. Uh, so
0: the tissue cover is in the shape of a hippo, and it's a dumb pun because the word for cover and the word for hippo
1: sound kind of alike. He loves doing stuff like this, all right? Even Katamari. Um, Katamari Damacy in Japan, the kanji, or like this, the mm-hmm. Japanese symbol uh, uh, for the words, uh, when you put those two together, they share similar similarities, which makes it sort of a kanji alliteration. Um, he loves double meaning words, things like that, putting them next to which is funny because we just did one piece and that guy also had the same... Uh, love of of Japanese wordplay. Uh, but anyways, he, he even said himself, I wanted to try something that contributes some fun to the world. Um, so uh, after he leaves uh, school and gives up the idea of being a professional sculptor, he decides video games would be a good means to pursue his art in a larger medium and give that fun to the world. So he applies for a job at Namco, but he fails the interview. However...
0: <laughs> no, 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 he... um. According, again, to the book, he actually made it pretty far in the interviews and uh, his off like his kind of standoffish nature of no, not standoffish. It's kind of aloof nature. He's very uh, aloof. horrified the executives like he made it up to the executive interview. And when it finally came time to talk to the bigwigs, the bigwigs were like. Who the fuck is this guy
1: <laughs> Takahashi said actually I found out the funny truth after I joined from an, Namco from an HR guy oh, okay. who I got along with I failed the last job interview for sure sounds like some executives didn't like me but one of the interviewers from the artist interview persuaded an executive who was his boss to hire me so I asked him why he said you looked very unique and I felt there was potential to make something fun with you now I will say this though one of the things I love about Takahashi is how candid he is in interviews how much he's willing to just be like fuck big games Mm -hmm. and you know and i think i could definitely see why an executive would be turned off by that because if you look at a lot of japanese game makers they're very tight-lipped they're very very um they, they they at least try to come off as very very devoted to the dev company they work for it's very different like so somebody like this it's very unique that you have um uh, a japanese game maker that is so willing to like shit talk mm-hmm. the, he, he he comes off almost like more american in certain sensibilities if that makes I mean, sense or the, the or japanese
0: more... game auteur we can like name them on one hand there's yes. kojima yeah. there's uh uh kamiya there's uh suda 50 like to break from that culture means you stand out like a sore thumb yes. which is the worst fucking thing you can do in japan <laughs> don't you're sticking out fucking duck Just be part of the mess.
1: Yes. Become uh, part of the clump of souls. As Takahashi says, I'm trying to go against the current trend of game we have right now. You know, shooters are fighting games. They never change, but almost all people love that kind of game, which I understand. Shooting or fighting is kind of fun. But as a game designer, that's kind of sad because we couldn't provide a different perspective for the player. I understand fighting is fun. This is a different perspective of fun. I still believe games are a very unique media, which is interactive, has music and vision, can provide you with a more emotional story but we still provide the player a very tiny small perspective of life experience this dude is fucking awesome i love him but like it's
0: like we're making him sound like a, a fucking big scroat baller but
1: he's a small <laughs> depressive dude he's like he sounds depressed in every interview uh I,
0: read. I like i've been listening to a lot of his talks and like he'll talk about just like Video games are completely unnecessary, <laughs> and that's beautiful. <laughs> the world would be a much better place if we make it that so everyone has time to play video games. People would be happier. Instead of trying to think of world peace, let's try and work towards a world where we can all play video games. <laughs> like that's, I love it. I fucking yeah. love it.
1: He's a true artist, and he... He, that's he, art school, by the way. And, art yeah. school
0: is all about making a thing because you kind of think it's cool. And then in front of a bunch of people having to explain why it's actually about the universe itself.
1: Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And and you have to understand is he gets hired to Namco as an artist. Like that's, that's what he trained to do. That's what he got there for. But he really deep down wanted to design a game from the ground up. Now, what you have to understand is the barrier between... Being an artist on a game and being a designer of a game is, like, massive. Like, it is so hard to break over onto the side of game designer from artist side, right? And that was the, especially in Namco at during this time, this is, like, a big feat for him. And initially, he's working on smaller projects for Namco as an artist, one of which being Action Drive, which was a oh, crazy taxi clone with spy elements that never came to fruition. Now, while he's working on this game, he came up with the characters that we see today, the, the king, queen, and prince of all the cosmos. And he had this idea where the queen had been kidnapped by agents on Earth, and the lazy king sends the prince to rescue her. The prince's head, which is shaped like a hammer, as we actually have today, um, was used to stun humans. Then the prince would put a steering wheel on the back of their head and drive them around the city, causing uh, havoc with chaotic guidance by the king, which sounds awesome. But That would have been great.
0: How amazing is it that, like, after all these years, it turns out that there was a reason, like... And, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, crazy Japan. But there was actually like a in-game reason at one point for the why hammerhead. the heads to be to look like weird rolling
1: pins. Yes. And it's
0: because you're supposed to be able to hit other people with their own heads like a hammer. Yeah. That's like, I just, that one piece of fact, like, piece of fact, I'm very excited
1: about. Oh, you're
0: fine. Uh, just like, open my eye. I, I had that like, I feel the cosmos moment, for like reading that
1: fact. And just, I just, the idea of like, can you imagine it's Namco, it's it's the early two thousands, it's Tekken, it's shooters, it's very practical. And everything's dark and gritty, by the way. Like everything's like, oh, I'm a grizzled war veteran and I'm gonna go around slicing people. You know what I mean? It was like everything it was just rainy and dark, and video games was like that gritty time. And he just is like, Okay, here's my concept, all right? H- dig this. Um, I'm gonna there's a little prince man. And he's going to go around and bonk humans on the head with his hammer head and then shove a steering wheel into the back of their <laughs> head and drive the people around. And it's got to just be like, okay, but like, Where's the, like, semi-automatic machine guns and, like, military uh, <laughs> fucking plot line? You know what I mean? Like, this guy's stuff was so off the wall. It would be considered off the wall today. It is so off the wall back then. So um, his idea does not end up getting through. And Action Drive, as I said already, it was canceled. So at this point, he has two different concepts that he sees that really inspire him To get to Katamari Damacy, Um, there was one uh, prototype from Sony called Denson, which is uh, translates to power line in Japanese. And it had the player moving to different floating islands using power lines that connect them. Apparently, uh, this led him to the conclusion uh, that the ordinary world could be made interesting with only small changes to perception and that violence was unnecessary for a fun game. The other was a uh, big influence was from a Japanese school game played during uh, Undokai or their sports days, which is the Japanese version of field days. So Japan also has field days, by the way. If people don't know, remember if you're field watching, day.
0: If you're watching a high school anime and there's a random episode where everyone's in short shorts trying to like do long jumps and relay races, it's because that's the Undokai. <laughs> uh,
1: and, and, and and so the game is called Tamakoragashi. Which
0: kind of like say the sound. You, you Katamari can- Damasi, Tamakoro gashi like i
1: actually made sure you could do this you can take the letters out of this word and make katamari <laughs> okay. like you can say katamari with the letters in this word um so yes tamakorogashi. this is where students try to push a giant ball into a goal so in other words it's rocket league with japanese school schoolboys. and by the way rocket league can you guys put out like a seasonal event where we get to play rocket league <laughs> but instead of cars it's japanese school kids are they i think that would be a great are you uh,
0: suggesting like uh walking bipedal school kids or like gross homunculus turbo teen children who turn into I'm cars I'm thinking
1: like boy ca- like creepy looking boy cars Okay um that's what I'm thinking
0: Also for for relation if you want to figure out like how big is the uh Tamako ball uh the exact di- like the size of a small child pushing the Tamako ball is the exact same uh Ratio as the Prince of Space and the Katamari.
1: There you go. And
0: so these two ideas lead. So to... So that like that that kind of shoulder height trying right. to push a big thing right would be immediately familiar to the Japanese audience.
1: Totally. And so th- and these are the ideas that lead to a game concept where a ball would roll ordinary stuff into it, making it larger and larger over time. Boom shakalaka, but. He pitches the idea to his boss at the time, Mitsuo, uh, Mitsutoshi Ozaki at Namco, using the King and Prince characters he developed previously, and Ozaki agreed it could be something special. But it's still going to be very hard to get this fucking game made, guys. <laughs> Problem is, Takahashi must, must make this jump. How does he go from artist to designer? This is such a difficult feat, and in order to do that, he uh, ozaki rather suggests to takahashi that he take his game to the namco digital hollywood game laboratory now as we mentioned before um there was konami's computer entertainment school well they Namco sees what Konami's up to and says, "Hey, we could probably do the same thing. We could have a little school. We'll call it the Namco Digital Hollywood Game Laboratory, and it's a 6-month course to teach up-and-coming devs how to create games for PlayStation 2 and be able to maybe get some experimental stuff off the ground, maybe innovate in certain ways that can only be done in a sort of educational platform and so
0: hey i bet this room full of underpaid idiots will make cool stuff that we don't have to pay them for
1: exactly exactly so so he does just that he it's
0: also uh worth mentioning that uh this entire time uh keita uh hasn't been assigned to a normal game and uh in this world of of game development without an assignment you're a sitting duck to get fired at any moment yes you are constantly supposed to be looking for a new thing but this guy just has his head in the clouds and like enough and enough people like him that he was out there like free to make these ideas and develop them and so it, he needed to get this done or else he could have been shit
1: canned so a good way to not get shit canned is to actually interact in this workshop because that kind of keeps you under the cover of of a project mm-hmm. so essentially what it is is employees from Namco work with students to help make uh, some kind of a game and these students they are all artists and whatnot, and they're and, design, and programmers, and they're creating all the assets that he needs for this game. And, and it's specifically geared towards PlayStation 2 uh, 3D uh, video games um, that these people are learning how to make. And much like himself, there were other employees that were just about to get laid off, so he was able to pull them in to help him. So he had some other employee help just from a handful of guys um, because of that. So um, initially it was very difficult to develop for the PlayStation 2 as it was just being released and the dev kits were not yet being sent out and it was very hard to create games for that system upon launch. But the The
0: emotion engine processor is to this day one of the more fucky uh, systems to develop for to the point where like uh, PlayStation 2 emulation was like one of the great white whales, even as computer power like quintupled in the past two years. It's like only now feasible. And then Sony followed it up with an even more complicated processor for the PlayStation 3. But that's for a different day. Yeah,
1: they doubled down. But Nintendo had recently announced the GameCube, which was much more developer-friendly. So they actually developed their first prototype for the GameCube. But they definitely knew they were going to be releasing on PS2. It takes them six months to complete the prototype with two dropped concepts. They had a couple of concepts they wanted to go with. One was that the ball would get larger as it got rolled around and shrink if it collided with uh, obstacles. Um, that was accentuated by a music track that would become more complex, the larger it got and less complex, the smaller it got. Um, And they just didn't have the time or software. I mean, doing that with music and games, which is now a process that has been much more integrated into gaming, but it's still, even to this day is so difficult to make music that reacts to what's happening in the game. That's like a very tricky thing to do. Um,
0: It's the key technical thing that happened is, uh, When you play Katamari, you're like, I can't believe all this stuff I gathered is still in this ball, but that's not true. There's an algorithm that like this the engine knows which objects are on the outside and which objects on the inside. Oh, interesting. And so it knows to just dump the inside objects from memory so it's more so it doesn't get bogged down. So you could never get the ball to shrink, quote-unquote, within the uh, hardware limitations mm. because that information was already dumped. Ah, And it also just made the game more fun because yeah. even when you lose just a couple objects when you get bonked, it feels real shitty. Right. And the idea of having to, like, say one of those random-ass cats just bumps into you and then all your shit falls apart and you got to gather back. That's just bad.
1: Well, not only that, too. Like, let's say you do the music's getting more interesting mm-hmm. and more complex and more cool and then you bonk the wrong thing and you go back to this shitty simple music that you yeah. like that would just bum you out emotionally i think but to go from this like fuller musical experience all the way back down to some lo-fi thing you know
0: the soundtrack though does do a pretty good like each song does have a pretty good
1: build yes, to it anyway it does, yeah. so as
0: you're playing naturally the ball is getting bigger and then just it just so happens that the song is also kicking it up
1: yes which which again which which didn't that need any sis, just great. write a
0: write a good song
1: yeah yeah totally <laughs> um so they take the prototype to uh the japan media arts festival which is a festival that has been held since 1997 in which they give awards to four different categories art non-interactive um, entertainment, which is video games and websites and interactive art, as one would refer to it, animation and manga. So after this display, it got a good enough reaction from the people there. Namco decides to green light the game for full development. Full development of Katamari Damacy begins in 2001 using Now Production, which is a video game company out of Osaka, to help make the game happen for PS2 with a budget of just 100 million yen, which is about $700,000 US at the time, which is pretty fucking small. Um, it is a tenth of the cost of of AAA Namco games at that time time very very small project very very tight budget and it took about eight months to develop Uh, their four key points for developing this game was novelty ease of understanding enjoyment and humor and apparently uh namco tried to make him make the game more complex i mean there's lots
0: of room i mean there's you could add a a, a, a grappling gun you could add like obstacles you could jump over you could add uh enemy types there's you know it's you're just looking at this company, or you're, you're looking at this twenty-person team hacking away at a game, and all you all you do is hit the use the analog
1: sticks yeah yeah just oh by the way yeah we didn't even mention that the only controls are the two analog sticks that's it Mm -hmm. but there's some nuance to that there's different you know you can click them back and forth to make it like the ball speed up you can do this like quick turn you can do a lot of really neat things with the two sticks but that's all you're using the entire game and so um apparently this is just a takahashi thing he rarely listens to feedback he's like he doesn't give a fuck dude he's straight gangster like straight gangster. I have a quote. May okay, a quote? hold on a second. Okay, now you can do it. Okay, thanks.
0: Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> in a December 2004 postmortem with Game Developer Magazine, I found that if I started to listen to others, the concept tended to become diluted and unfocused. However, once the basic concept was decided, it was helpful to have open discussions with the team. There were many more ideas that were not used in the game. But I still got something out of all the different ideas that were brought up, even if I didn't use them as they were presented. Mm, mm -hmm. So like even he knew what he was like, even if people were giving him input to add shit, like saying no to it, like helped him refine the purity of what he was like looking to make.
1: Sure, sure. He was
0: like, no, I don't want enemies. I don't want enemies. Right.
1: (laughs) Mark it down. Like you're just you're just giving me another Thing I don't want yeah great keep them coming <laughs> I actually want to hear from the executive in the back because he's got the best things I don't want
0: what if there was downloadable <laughs> costumes that cost five dollars uh
1: cool gonna write that down Uh <laughs> hey
0: everybody it's me your wispy wizard Jake here to talk about this week's sponsor Robinhood. Now, Robinhood is an investing app that'll let you buy and sell stocks as well as ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies all commission free. That's right, commission free. Other brokerages are going to charge you up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood is not going to charge any commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Now, I downloaded it myself and I can get intimidated by kind of the more stuffy aspects of the financial world, and Robinhood set all my fears at ease. It's amazing how easy it is to just scroll through various stocks, look up prices, and even build a custom newsfeed so you can keep track of the industries that you want to keep your eyes on. Honestly, it's a it's a achievement in UI. I don't know how else to say it. I kinda it's it feels nice. It feels good on your phone. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't have good design brain like I do. If you're a newcomer to the stock market, this is a non-intimidating way to get investing for the first time with true confidence. You can learn how to invest as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks and track your favorite companies with your personalized newsfeed, and get custom notifications to keep you aware of price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. And honestly, if this hasn't gotten you excited enough, Robinhood is giving our listeners, listeners like you, a free stock like Apple or Ford or Sprint to help build your portfolio. That's right. You don't have a portfolio. They're going to get your portfolio rolling for you. All you have to do is, and this is key, sign up at wizard.robinhood.com. That's W-I-Z-A-R-D.robinhood.com. That's wizard.robinhood.com.
1: Uh, so, let's talk a second about the music in this game. And by a second, I mean for a decent portion of the episode. Because mm-hmm. the music's so good and we really need to cover the shit out of it. Yu miyaki That's a man's name. And would you like to know what he did? I bet you would. And if you don't, why are you listening to pop I mean, he's very important to the game, so you should definitely like want to know. He composed most of the tracks for Katamari Damacy. He grew up in a house with an electone as a child, which is an electronic organ made by Yamaha, uh, and it had a rhythm machine, and um, he had a four-channel home stereo, and that's all because his mother was very passionate about music. He said um, uh, about his time as a child, By the time I could stand, I would dance to Aretha Franklin or the classical music used in movies. He started attending his mother's electone classes at the age of five, but he quit early on. Still, though, he got some really good basics. And, of course, much like so many creative people that have interesting stories, he was a very sickly kid <laughs> all throughout his childhood. He had to get homeschooled in a hospital, and he was constantly listening to his tape recorder. Miyaki says, when I was seven and eight, I listened primarily to, to 70s anime themes and inserts, uh, songs, Disco, and Yellow Magic Orchestra. The 1979 album Solid State Survivor was a particular favorite, and I would listen to it every night, volume at the lowest possible setting so that the sound wouldn't reach the neighboring beds until the tape wore out. That was my first experience with electronic music. He also started playing video games in the hospital at this age with a knockoff version of Nintendo's Game & Watch. Nintendo's Game & Watch, of course, would later end up um, being the, essentially the prototype for the Game Boy. Uh, Miyagi says aiming towards a career in illustration. I had been drawing constantly, but an incident when I was in sixth grade changed all of that. Harumi Hosono-san of YMO released the world's biggest, world's first rather video game soundtrack, an album called video game music. On top of that, the music was from the Namco games that I loved. That was the moment when for me, those two elements games and music came together. And that was also the moment for him that he got a PC with sampling capabilities drum machines synths etc and got to composing and that's what led to a job at namco um where he initially worked on tracks for tekken 3. Mizaki says, I had come to dislike following the past as is and gained a passion for creating things that retained a method while breaking taboos that expanded boundaries and felt different, but were still good. Around that time, an idea had come up in conversations between Keita Takahashi and myself that the absolute best way to undertake creative work is to deny the present. You could call it a dialectical approach. I think that was why we arrived at the concept of an all-vocal score, which I fucking love the vocals in the Katamari soundtrack. Also, I don't know how much we've talked about this, but Takashi's constantly in interviews talking about how bored he was and still is by modern popular video games. And he's very, very vocal about that. He's just, he's like, this bores me. The games at Namco at the time were boring. I hated them, you know? he's just like very very blunt about that and i think um miyaki shared his viewpoint and really wanted to get experimental with him which i think leads to this beautifully experimental and i think again talk about something that holds up today that soundtrack holds up like a motherfucker today it is so good it is so catchy it is so well done there's so many it's so dynamic too like it has electronic music but it has all these other elements going on in it too that just Fill it up and make it so just uh, like I said, uh, dynamic. I don't know. I'm trying to think it of the is word. Full for it. of color. Yeah, I it's guess full of right. color is a good wo- is a good way to put it.
0: This I actually it I didn't I, God this this episode sent me reeling. Um,
1: uh huh. I had, I had the soundtrack
0: time. on my like iPod Touch or iPod Mini or something. Like I because all these songs I remembered just like hearing them on shuffle along with all like my bad anime openings and like. They're so good. I have so many favorites. Another thing is, for a lot of nerds, this was their basic baptism into the world of J-pop and J-rock and the kind of, like, quirky indie sensibilities of uh, kind of Japanese pop that, you know, nowadays, like, you know, there's literal K-pop on the radio. Like, people right. know what this shit is. But, like, this this kind of level of, of experimentation and whimsy or even just uh, in, in the case of some of the more swinging tracks, like... You know, there's a there's a bossa nova. There's a you know there's a there's a lounge act. There's uh-huh. uh, 90s like Crystal Method style techno in there.
1: Um, ah, eclectic. That was the word I was trying to find. Eclectic. eclectic. I have it here in my notes. Um, it had all these different approaches. The one one song um, uh, he cut in real time like a DJ. On another, there's quiet sobbing in the background and a children's chorus. Um, there's actual, there's actual crowd noise that was recorded in a park. He did a lot of field recordings for this field recordings are essentially when you just go out into the world with a microphone and just record l- the life and world around you. And he incorporated a lot of that into his music, um, about the main theme. He says, I worked out the melody while walking around, recording it along with the noise around me on my cell phone. And that was how I worked on this game In my performing philosophy. The first time is often the charm. It's fascinating to record performers when they don't understand the material, and I often use the same method method for recording shouts as well. Now let's hear just a little bit of that main theme.
0: Are you playing the uh, regular introduction or Katamari on the rocks?
1: I don't know. What do you think it should go here?
0: Uh, well, I think we should play the introduction track. Just that simple, like, hum.
1: Yeah. I think that's the main theme, right? That's the main theme. And I then, mean, that's
0: what you hear first in the game. Yeah. And it's just one of the scratch tracks where, you know, he's sitting in in his recording studio just trying to think of melodies and just trying to, like, sound it out in his head. And, like, usually that's something that goes to the garbage. That, yeah. That's, you know, that's just the, a loose sketch even. Um, he was actually mocked by other producers within Namco for still relying on just kind of humming in his office to come up with melodies. And he puts it
1: right front and center. Yeah. The
0: first thing you hear in the game.
1: It's so great. And and not only that. All right. So if you haven't played the game before, you, you start to hear this, uh, this, Da, dum, 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 it's just like human <ralean> Though, voices, and it's literally just the human voices, and which is immediately, especially for a game at the time, and even today, would be like a weird, interesting, fun choice. <laughs> then you see the Namco logo. Then you see the Prince of the Cosmos with the Katamari ball, and you realize, oh, this is actually the loading screen, and I can choose new game by rolling the ball over and picking the file, which actually actually rolls over the letters in the word Namco, and and just you don't
0: have file one, file. 2 file 3 you have file na file M, mm, and file co so so just just that immediate second one moment. This is not like any game yeah you've ever this played. is
1: completely different from anything you've ever done and in a fun jovial silly way <laughs> um and and they they just hit it home so immediately uh, the whole soundtrack is is just absolutely amazing. Um, they got Charlie Kosai, who is a, the composer of the Lupin III soundtrack, oh, writing it, and singing one of the tracks.
0: That's the one I was. I know you yeah. love me.
1: Oh, it's so good. And then uh, Miyaki also worked with J-pop singers and anime voice actors for different songs it is just
0: are smart
1: check it out it's on youtube or whatever if you've never heard it before i strongly suggest you just go on there and throw that puppy on during your work day during whatever you'll get such a kick out of it it's just a phenomenal soundtrack it's like it's like an hour long it's fantastic
0: it's important that we note that it wasn't just yumiake uh they actually brought in a collaborate a collaborative team of other music producers from within namco people that worked on other Tekken games and you know all and Point Break all all of them and um the uh the goal when finding vocalists were to uh kind of search out like familiar voices and like names that the Japanese audience would know but had forgotten about specifically to like kind of bring in a sense of like nostalgia and whimsy but also like mystery right it's it's, uh people that like you know, if you were a fan of anime, back in the '80s, you'd be like, "Wait, I know that voice from something." Or like a fan of like Ultraman, you'd be like, "Wait, I know that voice." And so it's kind of again, it's all based on this holistic dedication to just happiness and safety and warmth. Right. <sighs> What's that one that's like da na na na, do do do, da
1: yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Na, 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 na. <laughs> we should just do a thing where we sing soundtracks of video mm-hmm. games together. That'll be a fun bonus uh, Patreon content. <laughs> um, so they have this game. And they uh, want to show it to the world. They end up uh, getting to exhibit one single level at the 2003 Tokyo Game Show, or TGS. If you haven't, if you don't know about TGS, it's a video game expo that lasts for four days. And honestly, I I think it's kind of declined in recent years. But at one point, it was like almost it was just as big or almost as big as E3. It was a big premiere event for big, big Japanese video games.
0: This is like very much 90s kid nostalgia, but if you kept up with the gaming magazines, every year when the Tokyo Game Show would come by, these poor assholes that like worked at the magazine got flown over there and like barely any of them spoke English, but they'd be like, oh, fuck, there's a Mario game. And he's like, so big! I don't know what I don't know what's happening. Uh, there's a thing. It's like uh, he's like an armadillo, but he's it's in 3D. Holy fuck! I, and you know these are games that you'd you'd have to you'd end up seeing like five years from then because of the way localization works exactly. Worked
1: back then. And I don't think Katamari really, like, American journalists really picked up on Katamari back then. But it did so well at this Tokyo Game Show that Sony decides, hey, let's put it on billboards. Let's advertise for it pretty hard. Um, This actually seems like it might be a success. And it uh, did pretty well. Um, It did okay. uh, There's also a fucking amazing uh, commercial that I also advise you to look up. That uh, is on YouTube. It's of a Japanese businessman essentially rolling up an office, um, including couches and the secretary. And it's hilarious and really short and like perfectly displays what Katamari is all about. Uh, It comes out in Japan and it's two thirds the cost of a normal triple A game at the time. And it's... Does pretty good. It doesn't like, you know, it's not like unbelievable success or anything like that. And so much so that they didn't even at this point have plans for a Western release. But this game ends up getting shown in the U.S., at the Experimental Gameplay Workshop in March of 2004, during the Game Developers Conference or GDC, and again, that is an expo that uh, with networking events and award shows, along with tutorials, lectures, and roundtables with industry professionals all around. You know, game design, making games, the business of making games. It's been running since 1988. It started with just 27 designers in attendance, but it really quickly became like a very big deal and western developers who uprun run the conference scouted out katamari at the tokyo game show and t- decided you know th- they were so floored by what this game they decided to get takahashi over to america to present this game at gdc and there is video of this. And at
0: I, the time, there was no plans whatsoever yeah. from Namco to bring Katamari to the U.S.
1: I, I was uh, hi, loved this. I would highly recommend you look up his presentation at GDC for Katamari Damacy. Because essentially what happens is you get to watch a room full of people just giddily get to explore this like completely new game concept and you just see the room turn. And I love it. It's And not start- only
0: that, these are literal game design nerds. Yeah. These are people who have spent their entire lives trying to be like, what is interactivity? Does the ludonarrative dissonance? Like when right. like how when do you reach the boss key point? Like, you know, these are these are people who spend all their lives like mulling over game design they're bashing their heads against the same wall that uh, Takahashi had been yes. in on the west and seeing this fucking bonkers, revolutionary joyous original experience unfold in front of their eyes cuz they don't know that the ball gets bigger yeah. they don't know like all the how the graphics when are when the made.
1: ball finally picks up a building in this in the uh video it's like the, the room Daigo just, counter it just goes explode. crazy and 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 I love it too, it's like, it's almost cinematic, like, it starts off really slow, and he's like such a kind of a quiet, morose type of personality, and he's sort of explaining this idea with a translator, and it's very clunky, and there's even, of course, feedback in the microphone, and it's just, it. it, it everything looks like it's not going to go well. And then he puts on the video of the game, and just from the opening cinematic, into the gameplay you just see the room come alive it is such a cool thing to watch and it is so fun and unique because you just don't get that many moments of people getting to experience an all new you know and giddy and fun like because it's not like a, skeletons and you know chainsaws it's like no 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 just here's this like positive beautiful experience that is just so different from anything else that's happening and I love that video so much so definitely give it a look see it is it's really cool to watch um and do you know
0: what uh do you remember what Tagashi was wearing
1: uh when he gave that speech oh I forget
0: he wore a uh, plain t-shirt with block letters the words rock and roll <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh he also I love that there's a Q&A at the end. And they ask him how difficult it was to get this experimental game made through Namco, and he's like, "It was a miracle that it happened at all." <laughs> and then later on, someone's like, "It seems that Japan gets a lot more experimental games out, um, and uh, under these big de- developers. Like, what is it about J- Japanese like game making that makes it easier for that to happen?" And he again was like, "I just told you, it was a miracle <laughs> I got that happen. It is also impossible in Japan to get this to happen. I can't even explain what you know what I mean. It's so funny." He he. I love that he's he does really well in the room. He he just makes people laugh, and he he's he's a funny guy, man. He's such an interesting dude. So still, there are no plans still to release this, even though the press, referring to it as a snowball simulator, were saying all these great things about it. So Tagashi is invited to present the game at E3 in 2004, and that is when people start literally writing letters to Namco asking for a U.S. release. Namco officially announces U.S. release in 2004, and did it do better even in America? It than did, it did in way Japan? better in yeah, America. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It sold only like 100,000 copies in Japan. Right. It wasn't that that huge. Yeah. Which is,
0: uh, you know, the original Demon Souls only sold 100,000 in Japan, uh-huh. like yeah, it's uh, or maybe less. I don't know. Um, A, it drops and has all this like insider, like every every insider is rooting for this game. So right. like, it's only twenty dollars. Which is a third of the price of a $60 game. Yeah. And everybody who touches it, like, it's this thing that happens when you find this bizarre object that, like, you know is, like, the future. And you want to shout it on the rooftops because you want to be the guy that is like, I found a thing! GameSpy says, one of the best games we played all year. OneUp.com. Simply put, this is one of the most original and entertaining games we've ever come across. Um, multiple outlets are like, Joy, this is the happiest game we've ever played. This is fun. Something happy. Something fun. Something happy. Finally,
1: something happy. Fun. Happy. Happy.
0: <laughs> the game is happy.
1: Happy. <laughs> Um, just so against the grain of games from that time. I mean, and and this game ends up even being featured in the Museum of Modern Art in an exhibit called Century of the Child Growing by Design to demonstrate how toys and playthings have changed over the 20th century. It has clearly just gotten this status as this ultimate uh, it's, precursor to the indie It's one of the few the games at the
0: MoMA, like in the MoMA collection, quote-unquote, alongside Tetris and Pac-Man.
1: Yeah, it is, it is just because it is such a pure... Joyous, beautiful experience that really I think inspired that that indie boom that would happen not too long after, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, shout,
0: shout out to the uh uh translator slash localizer whose name was Agnes Kaku. Oh, okay. Who uh if you're the kind of person that ends up reading the weirdly quaint and humorous uh item descriptions in the collection area of the game. Uh, that's her work. There's you can actually follow a Twitter account dedicated solely to just posting a new in description every day. <laughs> yeah, the game just goes from like m- whispered murmur, secret to indie hit to full on cultural touchstone. It's there with Firefly and Doctor Who. But then. And- it-
1: But then it becomes something Takahashi, I think, never intended and really does not like about it. It becomes a franchise, and Mm. I don't think he ever necessarily wanted that to happen. You've got a direct sequel um, on PS2 called We Love Katamari in 2005. Which
0: he did stay on for because Namco specifically said... Fucker, this is happening with or without you, so you better get on with the program. It
1: introduces new gameplay mechanics, such as co-op and new level goals. Then you have Me and My Katamari, which came out on PSP in 05 as well. And then Beautiful Katamari, released on Xbox 360 in 07, that has the royal family using Katamari's to close up a black hole caused by the king while playing tennis. Then you have Katamari Forever, released on the PS3 in 09, which was sort of a best of for the series. Then the DS in 09 got uh, Korogashi Puzzle Katamari Damacy, which was a sort of Tetris-like title. And then, of course, as of recently, I highly recommend Katamari Damacy Reroll, which is a high-def remaster of the original, released on the Switch and Windows in December of 2018. Now, Takahashi, I think, largely is very dissatisfied at this point. He, He wants to keep innovating. He wants to keep creating new experiences, and he does that with his next title. Uh, Noby Noby boy, Noby Noby boy, Jake. How do, how would you describe Noby Noby?
0: Boy? Noby Noby boy is a game that I played a bunch of over at my stoner friend's house.
1: Cool, because I didn't. So I want to know from <laughs> no. a personal experience. I really, I wish I had a stoner friend's house it that is had it, but I
0: didn't. Less of a game than almost any game I've ever played. <laughs> um, I don't to this day quite get the stakes. I do know that there was this persistent uh online component yes. where the more people played the more nobi nobi boy would stretch through outer space to reach nobi nobi girl and yes. it took how many years for them to finally reach it
1: It took uh, actual human years it took um 5 I think or more I, I think it maybe took two, 8 2489 days it came out in 2009, and it ended in 2015. So what's the quick math on that? Six years. Six years. It took That's six years.
0: A, just a core dedicated player base. Just ex, like The game, I swear, does not have as many concrete objectives and yeah, timers. Yeah, it's very
1: weird. Essentially, it's similar to Katamari in the sense that you're – Ex- you're expanding mm-hmm. but you're essentially sort of got you're like this little stretchy boy creature thing that is slowly gobbling up the things around him as he uses that to stretch further and further and further and you can like tie yourself up in yeah, knots tie and- yourself up on, or, or like maybe get yourself on a car that's mm-hmm. driving fast and that'll stretch you even further and it just looks like a fucking kind of a shit show it's sort of just a silly ridiculous kind of um, it was compelling, existential as I was experience, playing it, but I didn't miss it. <laughs> right, right. But the cool part about it, as you said, was the online part because every time someone played the game and stretched out the boy in the game further, the online it was cumulative for all the people to try to get this this character of the girl uh, to stretch, getting her to all the planets in the solar system. He always loves making things uh, centered around the solar system. And uh, yeah, that's unbelievable that that. But uh, it's crazy that it actually ended in like after six years. It took six years for uh, it to actually. I'm actually super excited for Watam,
0: the next game he's uh, yes. he has in the cards. Uh, it's like kind of this weird. It feels like one of those. Um, looking at the gameplay footage, very nobi nobi Boy esque, very like clear, strong, colorful graphic style. And uh, do you remember those like flash games or those browser games where you had to like combine elements to create new shit? Uh huh. And you had, to, and it was just about experimenting and like just kind of organically like seeing where playing with the surroundings and combining different things right. could expand the world. Right. It feels like that. It feels very...
1: I'm excited for it. You play as the character Mayor, who <laughs> and you work to, de- to befriend other inhabitants of the world, like trees and flowers, rocks, mm-hmm. toilets, poop, whatever is around. You're making friends with them by holding hands, and also by causing really cool-looking explosions. Mm-hmm. That, that helps you befriend everybody. That's set for release this year, 2019. Uh, which is pretty exciting. But before that, he he uh, has some other interesting experiments that he was working on that didn't necessarily come to fruition, but still. He at one point set out to design a playground in Nottingham, home of Game City, which is UK's largest alternative games conference. Tagashi said, to be honest right now, I find the idea of working in the physical world far more exciting than working in a virtual one. I feel like having something physical makes it easier for me to communicate what I think is fun to people. There are fewer hurdles to overcome. Takahashi described uh, this playground that he had in mind as one that's soft and with lots of big blocky shapes and a place kids can't really get hurt. Very colorful, where kids can roll around and be free. But it's okay if they occasionally get hurt too. Uh, this was announced back in 2009, but uh, unfortunately, it became indefinitely postponed in 2010. He and his wife, Asuka Sakai, who is a composer, they formed an indie game company. Uh, he walks away from Namco, finally gets released from Namco. I think was just fed up with the the franchise that was, you know, Katamari and keeping that going and everything. So he ends up leaving and um, creating the unfortunate game company name uh, Uvula. Mm. Is it uvula? Uvula. Uvula, right? But i mean, it looks like the thing like in uvula. your mouth is a uvula. Oh, okay. I thought that was the penis hole.
0: I mean, no, that's the whole schmigeg.
1: Oh, okay. Got plus you. the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh they started that in October 2010. And um they end up working with another game company called Tiny Spec on their game Glitch, which was an MMO geared towards gathering and crafting. And the next big thing, of course, is Wattam, which I'm super excited to play, man. I, I think it'll be a fucking blast, dude.
0: This is a weird side note, but I would feel remiss if I didn't address it. Uh, there was like p- some pretty solid uh Katamari like portable game, like uh, mobile mm. games. Uh mm. there was what was it called? There was like there was like I Love Katamari and like Katamaria More which uh a lot of it focused on using the accelerometer to tilt controls. Oh cool. Which kind of mirrored the unwieldiness of the uh regular game. Uh, And the simple low-poly graphics worked great on, like, you know, I'm talking like an iPhone 3G or whatever. Right, right. Those got taken off the market. And right now, the only game you can play on mobile. And if you want to see why Takashi left uh, Namco, like, download this, play it for two seconds, and then immediately delete it. Like, amazing Katamari, glorious Katamari. It's the worst fucking thing ever. It's like a clone of Subway Surfers. Amazing (laughs) Katamari. Uh, It's full of fucking microtransactions and energy systems and like, hey, watch this ad if you want to keep on rolling. Uh, And it's fucking the worst. Like this is like the exact opposite of everything this game was supposed to be. Right. And it's and the fact that I can't even play like the decent just buy it once and enjoy it as a fucking game games anymore is so it pisses me off.
1: Um. So there it is. I mean, I think that is our episode, right? On Kaidamari Damacy and uh, Keita Takahashi. Buy reroll. Takahashi. Buy it. Get reroll, dudes. It's so much fun. Mm. It's so much fun. Is it on OS as well, or is it just uh, PC and um, PC and Switch? Switch. Oh my god, it's so damn good. So definitely check it out. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed our episode. Thank you again for the patron um, that donated for that episode. You guys are the best. Also, uh, if you'd like to become a patron yourself, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Check us out. Weekly bonus content, yada, yada, yada. It's great stuff, and your support really helps us live our lives straight up. So uh, thank you so the much show, for
0: show If it wasn't for our patrons, the show would not exist. If it wasn't for these
1: patrons, we would not exist. 100%. I would be
0: dead in a gutter with homeless people pissing on my corpse for fun.
1: uh, And a few homed
0: people. A few people with homes joining the rabble.
1: 300%. Uh, So anyways, uh, also you can catch me on twitch.tv forward slash HoldenatorsHo.
0: You can follow me on Twitter, at Best Jake Young, and maybe check out Dropout.tv, read some comics,
1: watch some shows, I don't know. And hey, maybe, I don't know, always keep on whizzing? And,
0: listen, I don't want to be a dick, but never stop bruising.
1: <laughs> don't do your best! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit
1: valottery.com. Springs in bloom, and so are the new lavender drinks at Starbucks. Enjoy subtle sweet notes of lavender paired with silky matcha or rich espresso for a fresh floral take on classic cafe beverages. Order yours now in the Starbucks app.